Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. And welcome to Habs Unfiltered, episode 384. I'm your host, Blaine Pudvay, and I'm joined by my co-host, Treg Wilson. Hello. This is a special snow day episode as uh, <laughs> Halifax is snowed in. So we figured, screw it, let's do a show. So uh, did you did you get yourself dug out yet? Uh, the driveway wasn't too bad because we have three cars and like a two-car driveway, so... <laughs> <laughs> not much snow got down but uh yeah uh, the daughter got off to work today so that's okay i guess but uh i did the walkway it's still snowing here i don't know what it's doing at your end of the, end of the province but if i'm still snowing you probably are but uh we are because uh, yeah. you're in the you're in the snow belt i'm not um yeah. but yeah i'm kind of out uh kind of a weird snow day i'm busier for work here at home than i ever am at work so you you ships in your oh I need a career manager meeting. Your career's going nowhere. I don't know why you want a meeting. I've got things to say. So <laughs> many things. But uh but yeah, yeah. Snow day, we're snowed in. Probably the only time we get a chance to get I get a chance to actually get on the show because the rest of my uh, days have been busy lately, but uh, here we are. Yeah, Mr. I gotta lift things and look pretty and do parades and spend time with my family like what the hell's wrong with you wow you know but yeah no it's still snowing here too and i was able to get 125 foot driveway done up but um the end of the driveway there's a road that has not been plowed and the snow is about two feet deep now that's awesome yeah my my, uh... work my road's not plowed either. My road's not plowed, and then the road that that goes to isn't plowed, but the main road's plowed. I just have to get to the main road. It takes me about five minutes just to get to the main road on a clear day. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm about 10 kilometers from the main road. So, good times. But this is going to be a special episode, not just because it's a snow day, but it is the Montreal Canadiens' 114th birthday. Happy birthday, you old fart. Yay! Woo! Woo! And, and you can sit with Yuppie for 195 bucks. Yeah. No thanks. I'm not going to pay for a mascot to come spend time with my kids when that's literally their job. Okay. 195 All proceeds go to the children's hospital. And that yet. was added. That was added on today. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, it, I guess it wasn't going over too well, so they decided to uh, make it clear. But $15 if you want to sit with metal. <laughs> no, thanks. <laughs> if I wanted to sit, hang around with a stuffed animal, I'd just do it at home. 
so many ways so, I could go with that, but I'm not going to. So many. <laughs> so, uh, so many. But anyway, uh, so beyond the birthday, so tonight's game is against Seattle. It's a, uh, a nod to the 1919 Stanley Cup final. You know, considering that was, you know, the first Stanley Cup final the Canadians made during the NHL era. So, yeah, it should be a fun time. I Apparently, there's some news around that, but we'll get into that in a little bit. Before we, before we get to that game, however, we have a few things that we're going to talk about, namely the uh, Montembeau extension, uh, the special teams, the play of the team, and some prospect talk. So why don't we just start with the Montembeau extension? I, I think it's a good extension. Uh, I, I, I said a few times on Twitter that I think three years around three million was going to be the perfect term in money for uh, Montembeau. Um, so three at 3.15, you can't argue with that. Uh, Allen comes off the book next year, maybe this year, depending on what happens. Um, but uh, I think it's a good – I. it kind of says we want to see what you can do for a longer term to see if we're going to go forward with you or not. Because if you really look at their, their goalie depth in the minors, uh, Jacob Dobish is not having a very good time in Laval. Um, a matter of fact, uh, man is actually playing better than he is at this point. Um, Fowler's another three to four years away. I mean, he's just in his first year in NCAA God knows how long that uh, I can never say his name. The Russian goalie there, who's tearing it up in the VHL right now, uh, uh, and Quentin Miller. Quentin Miller's another guy who's probably at least three years away before he gets anywhere. So, yes, it's a good contract, um, but really, as of right now, Montreal, unless Primo becomes the guy uh, behind. Uh, um, Montembeau, Montreal really has no one available for the next three to four years to to come in. So I guess my worry is that what happens after three years if Primo's not the guy. So I think at the right now, yeah, I agree. That's that's an issue. Like the midterm, that uh, that three to five year gap, that's where issues are going to arise. Yeah. Uh, on the contract itself, I agree. I think this is a perfectly structured deal it's only three years so it's kind of a bridge deal uh mm-hmm. it is market value for a goaltender at uh, at his level of play like a 910 save percentage the guy's consistently been improving honestly he in the long term will probably be the 1b um if they get a another starter in he would be the you know the tandem now I don't know how long Allen will be there. And well, my concern is at, uh, Primo as well. I think right. Primo is going to probably be um, okay. a solid but. 1C, but that's going to be a few years. I, I do see uh, a trade or, if barring a trade, going back to the two-goalie system, sending Primo down so that he, him and Mann can backstop Laval giving Dobesh time to be a starter in ECHL, which I think might benefit him in the long term. 
Yeah, sorry, I had to take a phone call there, but <laughs> um, I just, I think what's going to happen with Montembeau is the three years, once it's up, they're going to say, okay, you did exactly what we thought we we're going to do. We're going to extend you some more and, and go from it. Unless, like I say, Jacob, it's his first year in uh, playing in Perfro. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to shit on the guy or anything. He's just having a rough time right now. Laval's defense isn't great either, so it's not like it's totally his fault. Um, uh, he's had some very good games down there, but he is not ready to make any sort of jump to the – I mean, it may be – I don't know, maybe even any, a small ECHL stint for him might actually bring him back to 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 where he can go. Um, I do believe Fowler's the future of the Canadians, or at least that's how – they, they want it to be, but again, he's at least four years from even starting to think about uh, NHL games. Um, maybe three, maybe three, but uh, a four for sure. Um, so, so yeah, I think it's like, going back to the contract, probably repeat myself, but I, I think uh, it's a good contract. It's a good term, good whatever. Uh, I think they're going to look at the free agent market probably to see what else is out there. They want young goaltenders. They don't want, unless they sign someone to one or two year contract, just to bridge that gap between, you know, uh, Monty and whoever's available to, to come back up. And by the time Fowler's ready to go, if Monty's still there, he's like the Jake Allen is to Primo and Monty right now. He's going to be the guy that's going to go. And I agree with you. I think he's a one B. I don't think he's a starter that's going to help you win a cup. Uh, but then again, no one thought Aiden Hill would be a starter that could help you win a cup either. So who knows when he hit the playoffs, but, uh, a goalie can get hot, but I, I, I like Montembeau. I don't like him to the point where I'm ready to give him the reins and say, he's our goalie of the future. Uh, and I'll say the same about Primo. So if we can, if, if in the three years we can shore up our goaltending and Monty's the guy that's going to be there in the long term as like you say, the bridge deal in more ways than one. Um, then I'm all for it. I mean, the guy leads the league in 5v5 uh, goals against and save percentage. So, Which is saying something for a team, considering the team he's on. Yeah, and that's a good segue into our next... Uh... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, before we segue into their just terrible special teams, um, it, it this three-year deal buys management time yes by the yes. time the rebuild is supposedly done that's when he will be due another contract will he remain as a 1b will they have found their starter while they wait for one of the younger guys to come up will they have someone or a tandem with montembo to be able to get them into a, a, a very to get them well positioned for the playoffs with a home uh home mice advantage and then going from there yeah, and, and that's exactly what it is. And like I said, I don't think Monty's – I don't – and the and the term pretty much shows that, no, we are not stuck on Montembeau being our guy of the future. Right. We are stuck on Montembeau being our guy right now to help us go into the future. And I think that's perfect because I, I think what they have in their system now with Miller and Fowler and uh, – I'll even say Dovish. I'm not going to – I'm not going to sign him off right yet. And then that Russian goaltender, I think they have pretty good talent. It's just not, it's just here. And it's going to take some time for them to get there. That's all. 
Yeah, it's, it's far off at the moment. Yeah. But now on to the inconsistent play and the horrible, horrible special teams. For a while, the uh, the Canadians were doing pretty well on uh, power play. They 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 were up towards I think was it twelfth, thirteenth, fourteenth, somewhere around there. Two weeks ago, they were high as tenth for I think two days, and then some other team. Then they dropped to twelfth, but they were consistently around twelve to fifteen for a while. They've dropped to 24th with uh, a 16.9%. Still That's better than last year. <laughs> still better than last year, but not by a lot. And I, I think it, uh, the fact that they went, what was it? Nine games now until the last game without a power play goal. That they, really yeah, they, hurt. They, they were 0 for 28 going into uh, the Detroit game. And, uh, but, it, it, and again, it's something I said online. I said, it's so predictable. Their power play is so predictable. Um, they do that back pass, which granted, there are a lot of teams that do that. Montreal's not the only team in the NHL. Detroit even does that sort of, not as far back as what Montreal does, but they kind of do it. And the team know, okay, Mason's going to skate it up. He's going to hit his own blue line. He's going to pass it back to Suzuki. Suzuki's going to skate up to our blue line and dump it in. Because that's what they do every power play. And you can see Detroit. Okay, there they are. We're just going to come back to our blue line. Stop everyone else from coming in. Once Suzuki hits the blue line, our back guy's just going to go around the net. Guess who has possession of the puck? Detroit. And then you got to fight for the puck or hope that Detroit messes up. And every game. Same thing, same thing. Now, a lot of people out there calling for Burroughs' head on this, but Martin St. Louis made it perfectly clear he is running the power play, not Alex Burroughs. Alex Burroughs runs the offensive plays for the offensive lines. Um, so you can blame Burroughs all you want for the power play, but it's not on his head. It's on Martin St. Louis' head. And then it's who he's putting on the power play. Why is Josh Anderson even gets to that? Well, I mean, it's not yeah. just the it's not just the the, the dump ins, which you're correct. They're they're predictable. Yeah. It's that if they even somehow get the puck back, their puck movement within the zone is also predictable. Maths into Suzuki, the Maths is in the Caulfield, the Maths is into Suzuki. Oh, can't make it to Caulfield. I'll go back to Matheson. Oh, Suzuki's covered. I'll go to Caulfield. Caulfield's covered. I'll go back to Matheson. It's the same thing over and over and over and over and over again. Oh, Matt Monahan went behind the net. I'll put it to him. All right, I'll give it to Suzuki. I'll go back to Matt. It's the same thing over and every game, every power play. It's the same thing over and over and over again. And before it was, they were just looking to get the puck to to Caulfield for a shot. Now it's almost like they don't know who to give the puck to. <laughs> you know, they're like, well. If we pass it between us three, there's no movement at all. None whatsoever. Gallagher goes to the front of the net. He stands there. The goalie just looks over top of him. And then Monaghan goes in behind the net and then circles around to the to the, uh, to the the middle. Goes behind the net, circles to the middle, while Suzuki, Caulfield, and Monaghan play keep away. And that's it. That's the Habs power play in a nutshell. Yeah, they don't have, uh, they don't have a shooter <laughs> set up in the bumper spot. Right in the middle. Uh, 
if Gallagher's not there, there's Anderson who, as much as we all like Anderson, how he's still working his tail off. He hasn't scored a goal yet this year. He's being outscored by Tristan Jari. <laughs> he's also not a power play player. Anderson scores no. on the fly. He scores on the move. He scores when the play is in motion. He's not a stand there and pass the puck. He's not a great passer to begin with. So he's not a stand there and pass the puck around and try to. Because the whole point of the power play is to move the puck, move the players, to, to make the defense move and create an opening for a player. That's the whole point of the power play because you have an extra man. Another thing I'll throw on that, you have an extra man in the offensive zone. Why are you not always getting the loose puck? You never put two men on the – there's never, ever two men on the puck. Ever. Ever. <laughs> you have an extra man. Oh, look, that Troy guy got the puck. I'll go do it. You guys stand over there. If I get it, I'll get it out to you. No, you two go in there. You two go get the puck. Anyway. Yes. And I'm not a coach. But it's not just <laughs> execution. You 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 also brought up personnel use. Yeah, we want Caulfield, we want Suzuki, we want Matheson. Those are three of your best players. But then what? Who else is there? You, like we talk about Anderson. You can replace I, him I quite like, easily. I like Monahan. I like Monahan on the power play. Yeah. But Gallagher and Anderson on the top power play, I I just I mean, I see why Gallagher, because he's that guy at the net who's going to get the garbage goal, the rebounds. But Montreal doesn't shoot the puck. So where's the rebound coming from? That's another issue. They don't shoot. That five on three, not one shot. Five on three, you should be firing the puck every chance you have because you have two guys that can go straight to the net once you shoot to try to get the rebound. Well, they had a hard enough time getting into the zone. But once they got in, it was... Caulfield to Masson to Suzuki to Masson to Caulfield. Caulfield to Suzuki, Masson to Caulfield. Shin pad, Suzuki, Masson, Caulfield. You know what I mean? It was the same. They were just looking for that perfect shot to shoot the fucking puck, to shoot it, right? It's five on three. One guy shoots the puck, two guys go to the net when the shot's being taken. You're going to have more guys there for a rebound than anyone else. Um, I don't know. It's just... I mean, Martin St. Louis, I think, has a learning curve that he got to go with. I I think the biggest issue with that is he needs some more experience behind the bench, I think, with him than what he has. And that's nothing on the assistant coaches that he has, but they're all kind of newish to the NHL, and uh, he needs more experience behind that uh, bench. Like just someone back there who has the experience, who's been an NHL coach before, uh, seen some success or whatever, and can sit and say, "Hey, we got to change it." Because I understand Saint Louis' point. He's like, "We're rebuilding. We're in a learning stage. Everyone's in a learning stage, right?" And I just think, yeah, there's a time and place for that. And if you're going to, uh, you know, you still want to win hockey games. Yes, you're you're not really looking at the playoffs, but. When you have a guy like Slavkowski, who's working his ass off, had five points in his last seven games, right? Deserves more power play time. Deserves more time. And then you have a guy like Anderson, again, working his ass off, but doing absolutely nothing. He was one point in his last 12 games, right? And then, uh, you know, 
he's sitting there on power play too, and then he's getting pushed down to the third line after having one of his best games of the season. So a guy like Anderson can play top six. I just don't think that's right. I'm sorry. I like Marty St. Louis, but it looks like a Tyrion slash Julian type thing to do to a player, if you ask me. In his case, however, and I'll defend St. Louis on this one, um, it looks like he's trying to get something going for Anderson. Now, I agree. It's coming at the expense of a player who is finally showing why he was picked where he was picked because he's starting to take control of shifts at a time. And him and Caulfield had an amazing chemistry going for several games until he got pushed down. So there's a cost to trying to get Anderson rolling. Although the tying goal against Detroit where he was in the bumper spot, he made a beautiful pass to, uh, to Lidstrom for the tying goal. No doubt. No doubt he did. But one beautiful pass every 14 games to me. Is it that often? Well, he has what? Three points in 24 games. So yeah. All right. Uh, so every, it's actually every eight games, but okay. Um, <laughs> doubled it up, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's just, I'm sorry. I get it. I do. I do get that. I do like the guy's yeah. working hard. He's trying, he's whatever, but so is Slaff and Slaff's actually producing. Um, whereas now if you look at the warm up for tonight's game, Slaff yeah. was on the top line with Caution, uh, and Anderson and the Detroit game was moved down to the third line uh in the third period um but at some point you got to say hey listen i've done everything you're snake bitten something's got to give maybe it's time you 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 know took a step back even maybe give him a a healthy scratch for a night or or say he he's bumped and needs a couple yeah you know it's not a punishment it's just a listen we've done everything maybe you just need to watch from the press box for for a game right or maybe, I don't know. I, I have no idea because I've never seen a hockey player this snake bitten all my life. Scott Gomez. I don't think Scott Gomez was snake bit. He was just past Lazy. his prime. Yeah. yeah. In this case, it's <laughs> Anderson is just unlucky. And I agree maybe going up into the press box would give him uh, a, a vantage that he he can kind of see where the openings are. and He can adjust himself accordingly. But for before that even happens, they need to take him off the power play. They need to put him down yeah. the lineup so he's not up against top defenders all the time. He might I, I totally benefit agree. from going against the third pair. I, I totally yeah. agree. And I think I'd have to look it up. I think he's actually on the third line in practice today. But uh... Uh, Second line with Monaghan and Evans. Okay, there you go. But, uh, oh, Gallagher got moved down to the third line. But, uh, and okay, that's fine, too. They're trying to put different people with him to see if they can. uh, And I don't mind Evans moving up because I I like Evans. I think Evans got some skills to him. I don't think he's a top six player. But, uh, I mean, when you don't have Doc, you don't have Newhook, you kind of have to put someone in there. And let's admit we don't have the depth on our team yet to fill in when you lose players like that. So, and I don't mind um, Evans being put there if it means leaving guys like Harwa and Farrell before he got injured and Heineman correct. now that he's back, leaving them down in, in down and I, I agree. And I and that's why I like the call up of Stevens over Wah. I know some people yeah. 
cried and screamed and said, oh, Waugh needs his chance. But Waugh actually has been slumping in Laval right lately. He only has two points in his last, like, ten games or something like that. So um, let him work out his stuff. Let him learn his game. Yeah. Let him uh, uh, keep doing what he's doing down in Laval. But as for the That's... power play and PK, because we haven't even touched the PK yet. Um, like every everybody else's power play. Well, their their PK is just we're going to stand in this box and not move. <laughs> yeah, they're they're twenty seventh in the league for their penalty yeah. kill at seventy three point nine percent. Now, again, personnel selection, injuries, um, that all factors in. Inexperience; those are all factors. But it's the NHL; they need to start playing a little bit better on that, just, just so they can have more opportunities to be competitive. There's no, there's no aggression. It's just, oh, they got the puck. We're just going to all skate back into our zone, set up in our box, and let them skate in. That, that's, that's their peak. And then they just stand there and stick their sticks in. Okay, all right. Try not to. Oh, damn it. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's, it's, and you're looking at it like I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand. I'd like to see. I'd like to see more Yelonen on the penalty kill. Playing that uh, that Paul Byron type of game, where he's he's high up on the defender, he can intercept and go on a, a breakaway because he's got the speed, he's got the defensive acumen, he's got the shot. I like to see more of the Yelonen period, like Yelonen and on the, the power play six. penalty kill on yeah. the power play on the penalty kill. Yes, because I think Yelonen has been one of their best players so far this season, and he's been buried on that fourth line. Matter of fact, if you go analytical. He is. He has the best points per game per sixty. So it's true. There, there you go. But I'm not a big per sixty fan. But uh, I'll, I'll I'll cherry pick that stat to prove my point. <laughs> I'm a big fan of Yelonen and his game because I see a lot of Arturi Lekkinen in him. Mm-hmm. Just a little bit more offense, a little bit less defense, but yeah. that style. I see uh, top nine potential with top six availability, if, if, you, if you understand what I mean by that. Like, I don't think he's a secure top six player, but I think he's one of those third-line players that could get you probably 20 goals in a season, but could play top six if need be if there's an injury to a guy out, but not a permanent top six player. Or just to make which a change is, in the lineup. Yeah, which is what Arturi Lekkanen was, or exactly. is, I guess. So, um, and those are valuable. And yeah. Yeah, I'd love to see more Yelonen. I, I I love Yelonen. I think him and Slav have been the best players in the past few weeks for the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah, up up front, definitely, definitely yeah. have been. Um, so we've got more to cover. Uh, what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break uh, to let the sponsors talk, and then when we come back, we'll get into uh, the rest of what we were going to cover, including the World Juniors uh, prospects coming up, and more about. They're five on five play. So stick around. We'll be right back. And we're back. So as we talked about prior to the commercial break, uh, this segment, we're going to talk a little bit about the inconsistent play and later on a little bit about the, uh, the prospects going to the world juniors. Um, so let's just get right into it. The last week or so let's, Let's just look back to to the start of the Western road trip. 
when they were playing the worst teams like San Jose and Anaheim, they were able to pull out wins. But you play against teams like LA, they get blown out. Then they come back, they they play a really solid yet boring game against Columbus. And then Saturday night's game against Detroit, um, they were able to mount a comeback to steal one point. But their up and down play cost them a chance to win. Like, what do you what do you see in there that they're doing wrong? Uh, I would the LA game. I would say is more of a it was their fourth game in like five or six nights. So that I think had a lot to do with it as well. Um, I wasn't impressed with the San Jose game, even though they did come back to win it. I thought that should have been an easier win than what it was. Um, but uh, in the end, uh, I think it's a lot to do with the line combinations and the fact that there's no chemistry anymore on any of the lines. Um, now, I know I'm not going to blame this on St. Louis. I think it's more of a personnel thing. I don't think it's a coaching thing. Um, because I mean, you lose Doc, you lose New Hook. There's two big top six guys that you just lost, and now you have to plug top six guys in. Uh, the difference with this year and last year is last year kind of worked when you plugged a guy in, like Harvey Pernard got plugged in with Suzuki, that kind of worked, although Harvey Pernard is injured, so he's not a guy you can plug in there this year. Um, and he wasn't uh really playing that great before he got injured this season, regardless, but uh. And then it kind of became a blender of who he's going to put in. And uh, I just think it was lack of chemistry. Now he has Caulfield back with Suzuki, even though they were two great five on five from the beginning of the year. And I think that's more of every team knows that's their two best players. So when the top line plays against them, they're just doing everything they can to keep the puck away from Suzuki and Caulfield. And when you don't have a third guy on that line that can, you know, get the attention away from Suzuki and Caulfield. That's what's going to end up happening. Um, now, Anderson in the Toronto game, the very first game of the season, he was there because he always plays well against Toronto. So I understood that. Um, but sense there, yeah. but uh, when you had a line of, uh, what was the second line? Uh, Doc, uh, Slavkowski, and Newhook, that was a great line. You had speed. Yeah. You had size. You had... Doc, who could run the line and knew how to keep the puck or keep players away from Newhook and Slavkowski. And as you saw against Toronto, it worked. Uh, and then, you know, 20 minutes later, Doc's out for the season. So, uh, so I think yeah, this is more, unfortunately, of a, I, yeah, I think it's more of a personnel thing than it is a coaching thing. I just don't think they have the – I think it's time to sit there and say these are going to – like last year it seemed he had two guys for every line that he just kept and tried to rotate a third guy in. Yeah. And for some reason he got away from that this year, and now he's just, let's try these guys. Let's try these guys. Let's try these guys. And there's no chemistry. Also, the one thing I will say on coaching is I think you're keeping guys like Yelonen and Slavkowski. Slavkowski not so much now because he's getting his minutes, but uh, guys like Yelonen from – getting more time in that top six to see what they can do. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you're right with, uh, let's look at the lineup tonight. Um, Caulfield, Suzuki, Slikovsky. They're going up against the team in Seattle who granted they have trouble scoring as well, but defensively they're very strong. So right. you're Seattle. You put your best defenders against that line. 
and you're not too concerned about the other three really lighting you up. Like you're really not. So you're focused on that one line. You shut down that one line. You shut down 90% of the Canadians' offense. Yeah. That's, in a nutshell, the one of the main issues with the Canadians and that inconsistency is that their best players aren't able to be supported properly because when they were at the start of the year with Doc there, you're with the second line, it forced teams to kind of split it up. But right now, they don't have to be worried about a second line. They really no, don't. And, and, and again, that's a per- and when you have a rebuilding team, that's going to happen. When you have a rebuilding team, especially mm-hmm. when you know your core is this guy, this guy, and this guy, one of those guys is not here anymore because he's hurt or whatever, then you're kind of, well, that's all we got. And I think there's, I think Caulfield's shots off this year too. I don't think he's, uh, I don't know if it's his shoulder or what it is, but uh, no, no, I don't know. His shot seems just as strong. It seems, it's the uh, the accuracy, I guess. It's, yeah, uh, so gonna say not, it's just no. not as accurate. Yeah, I don't know. A lot of belly pads, a lot of missing the net. I don't know. He's just also not quite in the. He's not quite in the same positions he was in last year either. I think it's it's harder for him to get through the the checking to get to those spots. So he's shooting a little bit sooner or a little bit later than he wants. And I think it's a timing thing for him that he's still adjusting. And I think it'll come because he's normally a oh. 10 to 12% shooter. And he's at what, seven? Yeah, 8%? something like eight. I think it was, I think uh, Brian Wild said he was 14 last year and he's around eight this year. So yeah. yeah, we'll see. We'll see. It'd be no 50 goals this year. I'll tell you that. But he's on pace for 27. You know, if we're looking at a team to be competitive, especially in the in the uh, the rebuild process that they're in, you can't rely solely on those guys to score. You need people to you need to keep the goals down because they'll they're getting you they're getting you points. They're putting up goals. The Canadians are actually scoring fairly well, more than they did last year, anyway. But it's defensively they're giving up way too many goals way too many opportunities because if you look at the average high danger chances against the canadians are well beyond the average they're one of the worst teams in the league for allowing high danger chances not just shots on net but shots from the slot shots within a few feet and it's the goaltending that has kept them in these ga- some of these games uh, well you lost your biggest veteran defenseman in david savard your best stay-at-home defenseman and David Savard. Uh, and then you missed what was clearly their third-best defenseman all season in Arbor Jackeye. Um, and I will say to this, Justin Barron defensively has fallen back a bit from what he was when he, at the first of the season when he first came in. Uh, but I don't know if that's him or the fact that he's, um, I don't know, the whole defensive um I mean, you have Matheson and Lindstrom on your top line. Then you got what, Gouli and Barron, and then Kovacevic and uh, and Struble. Now, Jane Struble, I think, has been playing great hockey defensively for the Montreal Canadiens. Kovacevic, I think, is a strong defender for the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, Gouli is a great two-way player for the Montreal Canadiens. But when you have one guy that's a good defensively and offensively playing 18 to 25 minutes and your other two good defenders are playing 13 to 15 minutes. 
that's going to happen. I mean, nothing against Matheson, but Matheson is just a better offensive Petrie, if you know what I mean. And that's we knew that when he came in. We knew he'd be great offensively. He'd be okay defensively, but be night and day, depending on what night or day it is. Um, Lindstrom's, Lindstrom's, Lindstrom's. He's a third-pairing defenseman playing first-pairing lines, uh, minutes. And uh, uh, Barron, I think Barron's young. He, I mean, he only played, what, 30 games last year, if that? I'm not even sure what he played. So he's still, to me, he's still a rookie. He's still raw. Same with Gooley. Same with Struble. Same with Jackeye. They're only in their second year. None of them played a full season last year in the NHL. Um, so you have uh, inexperience, and you don't have that leadership at the blue line without David Savard there to, you know, to sit back on the bench and say, hey, when this guy does this, you got to do this. Or when that guy – and, I mean, rebuilding team. Like, I, I keep going back to it. It's a rebuilding – this is what you're going to have. But you're absolutely right. And the issue last year was not scoring goals. It was keeping the puck out of the net. And it's the same issue this year. And it's not on goaltending. I mean, I know people are, are crapping on Jake Allen because he hasn't won a game in his last six. Uh, but it's not entirely his fault. A couple goals against Detroit, I would say, that, like the overtime goal and the second goal. But uh, I just don't know where he was looking on the second goal. Like it seemed like he was like scanning the crowd or something. But the score, I don't know. I have no idea what happened there. But um, if it wasn't for Jake Allen, they never would have went to overtime in that game. So you got to look at that too. And I think people miss that. Um, so, yeah, uh, but that's, again, that's what you get when you have a 1B starting goaltender. You don't have that. Like, if you had a Carey Price, they would have won that Detroit game. If you had a, you know, or, if, of course, if we had a Carey Price, it would be the same issue we were in. We'd probably be one of the top teams in the league only because our goaltenders winning games three, you know, two to one, right? And we wouldn't fix anything. So it's kind of good we don't have – I think it's a blessing in disguise we don't have a guy like Carey Price. Um if you're team tank, then you're hating the goalies you have now because yes, they are winning games for us. They are getting us points. It's not the offense or defense. It's the goaltending that's getting us points. So let's trade every single one of them. Let's trade anyone who's doing successfully for this team because heaven forbid, you know, we have to sign a free agent. I mean, and I will admit we do need an elite forward. We do need a forward who is a consistent point per game player. And we know he's a point per game player as soon as he hits the ice. Not gonna, not arguing that fact at all. I'm just arguing the fact is there's many ways to get that board. So, yeah. So depending on where they are in the draft this year, I don't know if they're going to get one by drafting them. Uh, if they're in the top five to ten. Yeah, they could probably get one, but it's going to be a few years down the road. I think with the sheer amount of good prospects and picks, their best bet is to trade for one. Agree. Unless they can somehow convince a free agent to come to Montreal, which seems to be hard to do. Uh, and I'll it's tell impossible. you why. It's usually because they don't want to deal with the fans. But because as soon as a star player, look at 28 years ago uh, Saturday, we had a superstar elite player who said, you know what? Fuck this. I'm out. But anyway, <laughs> uh, um, but it's not all that. I mean, it's weather, it's taxes, it's 
the province of Quebec and their taxes and the way they do things. And people just don't want to deal with that. And, and I get that. Um, but I don't think it's going to be as hard to get a free agent anymore as it used to be, especially with a new management team. Mm-hmm. Players that go there are everyone that goes there, Tyler to Foley, even when they leave, you're saying it's a great place to be. Like it's a, you know, if you, if you want to play in the NHL, Montreal is a place to be, but you're right. I think, and, 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 and Ken Hughes has alluded to the whole fact that we have a lot in our cupboard that we can move to get the player we want or need. Um, I agree. Unless they're picking, I say top eight, I don't think they're going to get that elite forward. Um, they could still pick there because with all these injuries piling up again, my prediction of 10 to 15 drafting 10 to 15 is probably going to be wrong. Um, yeah. I'm right next to you. Because uh, I think they, they could be top 10 drafting or even top five drafting if the, if the injuries keep piling up and they keep. Uh, uh, and speaking of injuries, unless you're a doctor, don't say on the internet what you guess or think an injury and the timeout might be. Don't even don't even guess it, because people get upset. Well, that was the worst non-doctor guess I've ever seen. You were off by by what four weeks? Two weeks. Well, I said six to eight, and it was ten to twelve. So yeah, four yeah. weeks, I guess. Horrible, horrible. That's a full month. I know. How do you live with a fifty? A fifty-year-old man has no experience to be guessing what an injury could be. After years and years and years of playing sports and seeing those types of injuries, because I'm not a doctor. Or in my case, have actually broken or injured every part of my body in those I've had a, I've had a high ankle sprain. I did it playing lacrosse, not hockey, but still the same. Um, I mean, it's not hard to figure out when when, 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 when he went into the net, foot first, and then and the foot bent back in an unnatural way. If it's not broken, it's a definite sprain. I mean, you don't yeah. have to be a doctor to know that. No, but if you're not, don't even put it on the internet. That's your fault. Giga chads get mad all over the world. I'll call you the fuck out. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's true. He's but, the type of guy looking- that... If he's sick and you say, oh, maybe you got the flu, he's just like, shut the fuck up. You're not a doctor. You don't know what I have. Facts. It's true you're not. I don't know how you live with yourself. <laughs> but looking at the looking at the standings right now, <laughs> go back to the, the subject. Looking at the standings right now, the Canadians are, are would pick 10th overall if the draft were to happen today. But they're yeah. only three points away from picking fourth overall. Like it's, it's that, and that's Edmonton. Edmonton's down there. So you'd have to imagine that Edmonton's going to be on their way up. Ottawa's and, there and they're too. A, they're already, Edmonton's already turning the corner. Yeah. Edmonton will be a playoff team by the end of the year. And Ottawa is another team that has started to play a little bit better and will go up the standings a bit. So the Canadians will drop down, but we don't know how far. Canadians are also five points from a wild card spot. So I mean, there's that too. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're not getting the what? Don't listen. I'm not sitting here going, "Oh, we're going to make the playoffs" because we're not. But <laughs> yeah. uh, that's the league right now. Uh, I said Montreal finished with around 80 points, and I still think they're going to finish with around 80 points. Um, 
if they get 80 points, they're still looking at around a 10th to 12th place, maybe even lower pick. Because, I mean, Chicago, San Jose, you're not going to drop below those teams. Columbus, probably, they're, they've are they been terrible this year. Um, sorry, Mark, I know you're a Columbus fan, but um, they're not dropping below. So, I mean, unless they win the, the, the lotto, or unless they really, 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 really uh, drop, then they're probably picking eight to ten. So, and it def- it's definitely going to be a defenseman. <laughs> it might. It, it it might. Um, but there's some there's some good offensive players up there. Maybe not point per game guys, but guys that'll that could make a difference, but yeah, they'll need to figure out a way of leveraging their picks and prospects to try and get that one player. Now, speaking of prospects, we'll talk a little bit about the world juniors. Now Uh, the Canadians with the world juniors coming up, it's December. It's that time of year. Uh, That day is coming. There's several players that are still eligible to play in the world juniors in the Canadian system. Like Slavkovsky, for instance, no, but he probably act, He actually come out and said he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to play in the World Junior Championships. Um, I, I mean, if he's getting top line minutes in Montreal, he's not going to uh, play with uh, Slovakia. If he was and still he being held back to eight minutes a game, then yes, I would. I would, send him. I would say yes. Yeah, and I mean. I know there's a group of people out there who think he should be forced to go, but uh, it's not happening. And I'll tell you a little secret. Marty St. Louis is pretty much one-on-one coaching Slavkowski in Montreal. I don't know if anyone knows that's that. Essentially why he's that, yeah. That's why he's there. Now, sticking with Slovakia, there's another Habs prospect that, that is likely to go anyway, and that's uh, Messar, who he's is absolutely terrible. lighting up the OHL. Terrible. It's terrible. Waste of a pick. We'll never make it on North American ice. We'll never be a two-point-per-game player in the OHL. Oh, wait. Never. (laughs) Wait. He's almost a goal-per-game player in the NHL right now. (laughs) Or the uh, OHL. Yeah, You know what? I'm loving the season of uh, Philip Massar's having because he's really shutting a lot of people up that thought that was a wasted pick. It really was the fact that he just had to get used to North American ice. He was on a shitty Rangers team at the time, which is not a shitty Rangers team this year. And now he's just taking that team and taking the bull by the horns and saying, you know what? This is what you kicked me for. And good for him. Good for him. Good for the organization to see what they had in Massar. And uh, good for his attitude when he played in Laval, who, by the way, had one point in two games. So eh, that's not too bad. Um uh, and go into kitchen and say, yeah, that's cool. Uh, I'm, go- I'm good with that. Whatever whatever they need me to do to, to, to develop. And it's the same attitude that Slavkowski has. Slavkowski's like, whatever they need me to do, whatever I need to do, I'm going to do it. And I'm going to do my best because it's like he said, I don't want to, I don't care where I got, what did you say about the draft? I didn't care where I got picked in the draft. I just wanted to prove I was going to be the best player from that draft. And that's, you want to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. that's the attitude you want your players to have. And, and that's, that, that's, that's great. Now with Massar, um, 
the Slovakians just lost out to Canada in the semifinals in overtime. Had Slavkovsky been on that team, that might have been a different outcome. But most of that team's coming back again this tournament. So they, they should have a good team. So they'd be worth watching. Uh, Canada, Owen Beck should be back. Yep. He'll play a larger role this time instead of being a call-up. Yeah, oh, oh, definitely. Owen Beck had a slow start to his OHL season, uh, but he's been fire, fire the last uh, uh, little while. So he should make the team. Um, Quentin Miller might get a look in goaltending, but I don't think he's going to to make it. But uh, he might get a look because even though he's on a pretty bad Ramparts team right now, he is Mm -hmm. the big reason why that team is – about 500 um he's been playing great um mm-hmm. the numbers the win loss numbers don't really show up but a save percentage is fairly good so uh, that's what i look for in a goalie um i don't know who else from they have because Wah and uh kidney and all them are too old so they're, they're, too they're not going to be on the team yeah my you so, as well is too old so don't Mayu, count on him. yeah yeah uh but so. if you're looking at defense like uh reinbacher people think reinbacher will be there but oh austria, yes austria austria doesn't have a team in division one they're they're down a division so reinbacher and uh and roar or by the way won't play in any tournament because he hurt his hand uh they're gonna have to play in the lesser division to bring austria back up to the main one yeah so we won't see them at the world juniors at all and it's not because they aren't good enough to be there it's just that their team their country got relegated yeah. and that was uh last year against uh latvia who's that against latvia which by the way the halifax crowd was all for austria in that little two game uh thing that was uh it was quite nice to see actually uh how well when you go to a halifax relegation game. round game normally you see almost nobody in the stands but in halifax there was almost nine thousand people per game yeah, it was almost sold out. 11 a.m. And, and the cheers that they had for that Austrian team when they scored and stuff like that, it was just, it was good to hear. I, I mean, yeah. I only know because I was there, but whatever. It doesn't matter. What do you know? What do I know? Um, but moving on from Austria and the lower divisions, uh, Team USA is going to have a couple of Habs prospects on there. So Jacob Fowler is likely to be one of the goaltenders, uh, probably a backup to Trey Augustine. Or not. To be honest. He's having a better season than Trey Augustine. <laughs> True. But in that uh, in the Team USA system, Augustine is seen as yes. the starter right now. So starter. maybe Fowler yeah. steals it. Nonetheless, he'll be he should be on that lineup. And defensively on the blue line, they're going to be led by Lane Hudson. Well, I don't know how a five foot two guy is going to leave that team, but uh, yeah, this is another another bus for the Canadians. Yeah, he's almost two points per game as a defenseman. You know, whatever. It's terrible. It's terrible. Whatever. <laughs> Defensively, he will have issues, but this is going to be the first time where he's actually up against players his age because this is a nineteen year old tournament. Yep. Usually, he he was lower in the lineup last last year with uh team usa behind uh, uh guys like uh what's his name uh luke hughes so mm-hmm. hughes was on the top pair hudson was on the second pair now it's going to be hudson on the top pair so we're going to see how he does against other 19 year olds 
And when we talk about Hudson, he's going to have issues defensively. Most offensive defensemen have their issues defensively. It's not because they're not good defensively. Yeah. It's because they play more offensively. So uh, right. they get caught. They get caught a lot is what it is, really. And that's fine. You want your offensive. That's why you pair a guy up like Lane Hudson with, I don't know, like a guy like David Reinbacher, who can play both, but is smart and fast enough to go, oh, he's pinching in. I'm going to stay back to protect my defensive pair. It's kind of like a Markov Subban or Josh George Subban type thing. Or Suray Markov. Sheldon Suray and Markov. Ah, Sheldon Suray. I love that guy. And a handsome man. (laughs) Unbelievably handsome. Unbelievably handsome. Another another prospect that we, we don't talk about a lot on the show because we don't see a lot of them is Philip Erickson, the center out of Sweden. Yes. He's another one who's trying to work his way into uh, Team Sweden's lineup. So with the SHL team that he's on, he's not really getting a lot of ice time. He's not putting up a lot of points either. But internationally for Sweden, he's doing fairly, very well uh, with the under-20s. He's almost, uh, what is it, uh, two, half a point per game kind of deal. I think it's one goal, four points in eight games or some nonsense like that. Um, but he's in a top six role in those games, and he's he's showing well. So that's someone that Habs fans could keep an eye on for this tournament as well. Engstrom, too, I think will be playing for Sweden, or is he too old? Lidstrom? No, uh, the defenseman. Uh, Gustav. The defenseman that Montreal has there from Engstrom. Maybe I'm wrong. Oh, Adam Engstrom. Yeah. Adam Um, Engstrom, yeah. Is he? I think he's... I'm I'm looking it up. (laughs) I'm not sure. He is 20. I don't know if he's at... I think he might be too old because I think his birthday is before December 15th. Adam Engstrom is 20, yeah, and his birthday is November 17th, so he just turned 20. So so maybe maybe he can play because yeah. it's he just turned 20. So there's that maybe option there. And another guy I think that might get a look is, uh, I don't know, he's too old. I was going to say Xavier Jackye, but I think he's too old. Yeah, I, th- I do think Engstrom can play. I, uh, I'm i pretty sorry, sure. Sorry, Florian Jackye. Oh no, Florian Jack is only nineteen. Florian, uh, he could get a look. He could get a look. Whether he makes the team or not, I don't know. But he could get a look. Yeah, Um, yeah. I think Miller. Yeah, Miller and Jack are uh, are good candidates for Team Canada to invite them to the camp. Um, Because Jack I, Florian Jack I, that is, has been doing really really well in the NHL. He he's big. He's fast. He can shoot. He he's smart offensively and he actually puts an effort in to play defense. So if you're looking for a guy still in your third or fourth line, play an energy role at the, at that level, that'd be a guy you can use. Uh, Oliver Kapanen for Finland could play for team Finland this year. He'll be 20. Okay. Yeah. 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 I'm just going through. Look at that. Say, uh, I see. Yeah. That's like 10 names that we've rhymed off already for yeah. a world junior age. And yeah. that's that's not even their best prospects, for the most. No, I'm not part. saying all. I'm not saying all of them will make the team. So I mean, Fowler and uh, and Hudson are probably shoe in. Same with yeah. uh, Owen Beck and Philip Massar 
Um, Engstrom will probably make the Swedish team if he's old enough or if he's young enough, I should say. Um, uh, yeah. So it'll be, it'll be interesting. Uh, uh, Cedric, uh, Cedric, uh, Gwendal, am I saying that right? He's, uh, 30 30 points in 26 games. He's a possibility to at least get a call to go to the camp. I don't know if they've done the camp yet or not. Should have, but, uh, he could he get, to, get yeah they he should get a tryout in the next week or so to see if he can uh can make the team but uh but uh the guys to look for in my uh estimation are going to be fowler hudson massar and beck or be the four halves that uh, are going to get the uh you're going to get the best bang out of bang for your buck to watch in the in the tournament now canada clearly is going to be a gold medal favorite again to three peat which makes perfect sense. You're going to have a lot of mm-hmm. returnees. There's a lot of skill down there. Um, uh, then you got the U.S. who's going to have one hell of a team as well. Um, it's going to be rather, rather crazy these two teams up against each other. Uh, I think they're going to be in the same division. I think the USA is team to beat right now, if you ask me. But I wouldn't. I wouldn't sleep on any of the European teams like Finland or Slovakia or uh, or Sweden. Russia is going to be amazing. Russia won't lose a game in this tournament. I I think uh, hockey fans uh, who are going to be watching this tournament. Look to Canada. You're going to have possibly the number one overall pick again uh, coming from Canada, and that's in Macklin Celebrini. I got to watch him play in Boston. He is, he will kill you in so many ways. So he doesn't have the same shot that Iserman has, the American, but he's got a good shot. He can, he creates plays and he can control the level of play. So, yeah. Canada USA, I do think that's going to be one hell of a matchup. Steve Eisman's way too old to play this tournament, Blaine. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, I mean, for the way that's spelt, I think it might be just a distant cousin. <laughs> <laughs> Misspelled the name. Uh, all right. So we've pretty much covered that off. I think uh, we'll talk more about the World Juniors as they come up closer. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about the World Junior A Challenge next week as uh, we'll be able to watch it up close and personal as in Truro. But before we go, uh, do you have any final thoughts? No, not really. I don't have any. I just. Uh, no, I don't have any final thoughts, really. There's not what what's to say. Um, it's that time of year where everyone's getting disillusioned with everything. Like it's this guy's fault. It's that guy's fault. This player's this. This player's that. Um and I get it. I do. I get it. Um, but let's just be paid. They're in a rebuild. Um, I see a lot of tweets out there where people are saying Montreal fans are not ready for a rebuild. It's true. You're not. It's what you wanted and it's what you're getting. And now you're pissed off because that's what you're getting. Um, and uh, uh, just remember, Hughes actually, he's never really said the word rebuild. And he says, I don't like the word they're using the word rebuild or retool or whatever you want to call it. But he also said in the same breath, yeah, we're not a playoff team. So, <laughs> you know, by saying that, and uh, I'll just because I'm rambling here, I'll just go on. The, the big players of Montreal Canadiens got to start stepping up in order for them to be more successful this year. And I'm not seeing that happening. 
That's the Monahans, the Andersons, the Gallaghers, and the Suzukis. So there. Yeah, it's the injury bug that's really uh, hurting them again. But not just that. The um, the lack of production by some of these players. You're paying a lot of money to guys like Gallagher and Anderson, but they're not really bringing what that money should be getting you. Gallagher was for a minute, then no, he's not. Yeah, like I say, I can I'm, understand like, why. As like I say on my tracks takes Anderson, I just go dot 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 because <laughs> I don't know what to say. It's not playing bad. It's not terrible. Just I, I don't know. I don't know what to say. Sometimes you just don't hit that spot, no matter how hard you work. I feel bad for his wife. So for my final thoughts, uh, I I agree. I think the uh, the fans. I mean, we're in December. It's you know it's a holiday season. There's going to be all kinds of World Junior and other tournaments that we can watch. There's no need. To too shitty about the Canadians. They're where we thought they were going to be. They're playing the way we thought they were going to play. I don't see what the surprise is. Just, just watch the games for what they are. Just entertainment. There's no reason to get too shitty about it. I mean, there's worse things in the world than a bad hockey game. The Leafs. Exactly. Imagine having oh. a team you think is going to win but never does. Hey, Montreal has just as many regulation wins as the Leafs do. Think about that for a second. They're as good as the Stanley Cup contending Leafs. How about that? See? Silver linings. <laughs> but uh, anyway, I want to thank everyone for tuning in and listening. Keep those emails coming. Keep interacting with us on social media. We really do appreciate it. We really enjoy uh, the majority of our interactions, uh, unless you're a giga chat and talking about uh, staying away from the medical stuff. <laughs> so, uh, again, thank you very much for listening and tuning in. And remember, if you're talking about it, so are we. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jag and Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent. Almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com.